1987, when I was four years old and my sister was six, my family moved to the north side of the town that my sister and I grew up in. The schools were a bit better, the area felt more like a neighborhood, and we would be living closer to the downtown area that had many shops, restaurants, and an excellent library. My sister and I would often walk or ride our bikes to town, and one store that we frequented was Hallmark, which actually had a store in our suburban town. This particular store had three floors. The main floor housed greeting cards, of course. The upstairs area, I believe, had more collectible-type items, and the sub-main floor had birthday and party decorations. Little did I know back then that Hallmark had a strong connection with the memorable 80s cartoon and merchandise icon that was Rainbow Bright. The connection here was that Hallmark actually came up with the concept of Rainbow Bright when the company decided they wanted to get into the licensing business. Allegedly, Hallmark wanted to compete with another character developed several years earlier by American Greetings, none other than Strawberry Shortcake. Strawberry Shortcake and Rainbow Bright were not the only characters developed by greeting card companies, believe it or not. According to rediscoverthe80s.com, some other examples include The Care Bears, Shirt Tales, Popples, My Pet Monster, Mad Balls, and The Get Along Gang. On today's show, you will learn all about the colorful sensation that was Rainbow Bright and her development from the conference rooms at Hallmark, which led to quite the merchandise craze, a TV cartoon, a few terrifying live-action TV specials, where characters dressed in full costumes from the show dance and sing, and eventually a full-length movie. Rainbow Bright was one of my sister's all-time favorite cartoons and characters from our childhood, and I think anyone who was growing up in the early to mid-1980s knows who I am talking about, even if they weren't a huge fan. You probably also remember the theme song from a TV show that is next to impossible to forget once you hear it. So put on your rainbow belt and multicolored moon boots, here we go. so very much for tuning into the Pop Culture Retrospective Podcast, a show inspired by, and in memory of, my big sister Rebecca, and her love for all things pop culture, especially the people, places, and things of the 1980s, 1990s, and early 2000s. My name is Amy Lewis, and I am your captain aboard this pop culture time machine. You are tuning into episode number eight, Rainbow Bright, a beloved cartoon character and merchandise juggernaut from the 1980s. My sister adored Rainbow Bright and collected merchandise including a twink doll and drinking glasses adorned with her picture well into her adulthood. Rainbow Bright was a pretty short-lived TV show, but her staying power has survived the test of time over and over again. I also found through my research that Rainbow Bright was one of those pop culture items that most children seemed to generally like at the time when, when it came out, or at least where I had some awareness of. But when you watch it and learn more as an adult... It is actually quite dark and creepy at times. I don't think it's necessarily something my kids would want to watch. Some other examples include Return to Oz, which we talked about for a moment in the intro episode, Hug a Bunch, and The Dark Crystal, to name just a few. I'm not sure if they would be more creeped out or if I would be, but anyways. The development of Rainbow Bright dates back to about 1983. Vice President of Creative and Licensing, Gary Glissmeyer, and a team of artists headed by Cheryl Kozad, along with writers under the direction of Hallmark's editorial director, Dan Drake, all worked together to come up with a concept. 
Also, Lanny Julian, who was the vice president of sales and marketing at Hallmark, also had a hand in the development. Glissmeyer and Julian were given the task of somehow getting Hallmark into the licensing division via developing characters that could be marketed toward children. Glissmeyer and his group came up with the idea about a girl who was relatively young, who has special powers over nature, which eventually evolved into her being in charge of the various colors of the universe, and she and her friends needed to work to protect it. A Hallmark artist named Gigi Santiago did the initial designs of Rainbow Bright and the characters of Rainbow Land, and they were then finalized by the artist he mentioned earlier, led by Kozad. At first, all of the characters in Rainbow Land were female, but they would eventually change a few of them into male characters. Rainbow Bright, in case you haven't seen the show or maybe you have forgotten what she looks like, was a girl who appeared to be elementary-aged, whose thick, blonde hair was always up in a high migraine-inducing tight ponytail. She wore a very short, long-sleeve blue dress with rainbow colorings on the arms and waistband, and her ensemble was rounded out with rainbow-colored moon boots, as originally she was going to be traveling in space. Rainbow Bright has several friends called the Color Kids, and their names were Red Butler, Shy Violet, Canary Yellow, Lala Orange, Buddy Blue, Indigo, and patio green. Each of these characters wore outfits that matched their respective color. Most of the female characters wore short dresses like Rainbow Bright, but Canary Yellow was dressed like a child headed to an aerobics class, clad in long, yellow leg warmers, what appears to be a leotard, which had wings or feathers on the shoulders, and flat ballet shoes. Interesting combination. They also had hair that matched said colors. The Rainbow Kids were each in charge of a Sprite, which was not a can of soda they drink when their stomach is upset, but rather a small, colorful, furry character who does mining work. Sort of reminded me of the Doozers from Fraggle Rock, another group of smallish characters that do construction work. Anyways, Twink was a white Sprite who was the leader of the Sprites, as well as Rainbow Bright's favorite Sprite and right-hand man. How many times can you say Sprite in one sentence? I just said three, I think. Anyways, we'll talk more about the villains in the show in a moment, but the reason why Twink is white is kind of disturbing, at least from the perspective of shows geared toward children. Uh, He is white because he was thrown into a pit when he was red and drained of all of his color. Yikes. Another character in Rainbow's entourage is Starlight, who is her talking white horse, who enjoys galloping and tooting his own horn. He would often refer to himself as the most wonderful horse in the universe, the most magnificent horse in the cave. He has the ability to dart with magnificent swiftness and the glory of the galaxy. Rainbow Bright and her friends all live in Rainbow Land. Rainbow also has a best friend named Brian, who is not a Rainbow Kid, doesn't live in Rainbow Land, doesn't really have any special powers, but he can open a portal to Rainbow Land with a special key. She meets Brian after watching him return after baseball tryouts. She is watching him from the sky, and when she sees how down he is because he didn't make the team, she shoots out her rainbow to make a bridge between the clouds and the sky and the ground and rides her horse down to meet him and to cheer him up with the healing power of colors. There are two villains in the show named Murky and Lurky who want to rid the world of color. They live in the pits, which is the dark and dreadful area of Rainbow Land. Murky's full name is Murky Dismal. 
He is short in stature with black hair. He is seafoam green in color. He has a thick mustache and a very sinister looking unibrow. He is usually wearing a long sleeve gray shirt with a lightning bolt on it with a cape attached. Further, he wears gray shoes with a matching gray helmet that comes to a point almost like there is a small antenna on top. Lurky is Murky's counterpart in trying to turn off the light and happiness in Rainbow Land. He is a large, fur-covered, red Chuck Taylor high-top-wearing, absent-minded villain. Although he is almost completely covered in fur, several inches of his arms and legs are more human-like and completely devoid of fur. His nose is disproportionately large compared to his body. He almost kind of looks like Snuffleupagus from Sesame Street, but with two legs instead of four. He is kind of creepy looking. He struggles at times with being a villain as he is very intrigued by Rainbow Bright and her magical powers. Murky tries to keep him in a down mood by making sure that a dark cloud is above him at all times. Murky is constantly putting down Lurky. He often makes comments such as, Lurky, you're such a snail brain, you're such a cheese ball, you have foghorn breath, you have a popcorn brain, or you have a banana brain. And to add insult to injury, Lurky's shoelaces are always untied. It's always good when children can be given ideas for how to insult other children while watching TV. Anyways, in June of 1984, Rainbow Bright made her animated debut in a TV special called Peril in the Pits. Several other specials would follow. Peril of the Pits, I think, is the most ridiculous TV special, and you'll learn why in just a moment. In Peril of the Pits, the color kids get kidnapped by Murky and Lurky, who also manage to get Rainbow Bright's color belt, so they start to turn Rainbow Land dark. They eventually also manage to capture Rainbow Bright, Brian, Twink, and Starlight, and puts them in a deep pit with the color kids. Starlight assures the group he can get them out of the deep, dark pit by kicking his way out of it. When that doesn't work, Starlight is very discouraged, but Twink assures him that they can get out by saying, Don't kick the wall, Starlight! Kick me! Okay. That's an interesting idea. Starlight is confused by this proposition, but feels better about punt-kicking him after Brian offers up his baseball glove to essentially protect Twink's butt from any potential damage that could result from the force of the horse's strong legs. What? Seriously? When Twink gets up there, everyone starts cheering and saying things like, Yay, that was a great idea! You did it! Twink is able to then lower a rope that is at the top of the hole and get everyone out. The group then manages to foil Murky and Lurky's plan to turn everything dark, and all is well in the world. Now, whose idea was that? When there were planning sessions for this TV special, who said, You know what? Here's what I think we should do. Why don't we have Starlight dropkick Twink on his butt out of the hole, and it can be protected with a baseball glove to soften the blow? That is a horrible idea. That's television for kids in the 80s, I guess. In the Mighty Monstro Mark Menace, released in December of 1984, Brian's rainbow is destroyed, and he and Rainbow Bright work to defeat Monstro Merc, who has ruined Rainbow Land. Rainbow is again later captured in a bottle by the monster. She is eventually rescued by Twink, Brian, and Red Butler. The beginning of Rainbow Land special is essentially the prequel to the whole Rainbow Bright story. It was released in April of 1985. We learn the origins of Rainbow Bright and how she started as a girl named Wisp, 
who had found her way onto a dark planet which was conquered by the King of Shadows, who wanted to rid the world of color and happiness. We learn about her meeting Twink and Starlight. We also learn the importance of Rainbow Bright's color belt and how this item alone is what will allow her to defeat the villains who want to turn the world dark. Rainbow eventually defeats the King of Shadows and frees the color kids, which brings hope and light back into the world. She then becomes known as Rainbow Bright. This is a two-part episode, and a lot of it is set on the dark planet with some creepy characters like an evil crow, a double-headed dragon, and a centipede-looking creature with several eyes. Again, this is geared towards elementary-age children. Yikes! But at the time, I didn't think anything of it. In both the mighty Monstromark Menace and the beginning of Rainbow Land, we get to hear the narrator summarize the story of Rainbow Bright. Into a world filled with darkness came a little girl with a mission. After proving herself to be worthy and brave, she became known as Rainbow Bright. Now along with her magnificent horse Starlight and her loyal and true friend Twink and the color kids, she lives far away in Rainbow Land, a wonderful place full of color and happiness. Using the power of the rainbow, her magical color belt, and the star sprinkles, Rainbow Bright and her friends protect Rainbow Land, fighting off the forces of darkness and gloom and the devious plots of Murky and Lurky so that they can bring color and happiness to the people everywhere. In addition to the TV specials, there were two live-action shows. And there was also one season of a TV cartoon series which ran from late 1984 to early 1986. The cartoon series followed a similar format to the TV specials where Rainbow Bright and her colorful crew triumph over darkness. The live-action shows were probably the most creepy representation of Rainbow Bright that could be viewed in the 1980s. One special was called Rainbow Bright, It's Your Birthday Party, which features life-size Rainbow Bright and Twink, who are clearly costumed adults, and children who have skills to perform in a circus like juggling and flipping. Rainbow Bright actually performs a remix of Twinkle Twinkle Little Star while holding a microphone on a stand. She actually dips the microphone stand down like a performer. It's really, really creepy and her head is humongous. It kind of looks like something out of a horror movie where somebody is sleeping in a bed and all of a sudden they wake up and think that they're having a nightmare. And they are because a huge Rainbow Bright looking character with a huge head with yarn hair, is above them with a knife. That's just where my mind goes to whenever I watch these. I will definitely post a link to this in the show notes. Murky and Lurky also appear in this god-awful TV live-action special. The other live-action special was called Rainbow Bright's San Diego Zoo Adventure. In between songs, dancing, and shots of all the animals at the zoo, Murky and Lurky are scheming to take all of the color out of the zoo, and Rainbow Bright and her friends, of course, have to protect it. You can imagine that this is also extremely creepy, but I will put links for both of these shows in the show notes. Please make sure that you watch these during the day when it is light outside. Do not watch these before you go to bed. You will have nightmares, and you have been warned. The television series was produced by the France-based company called Deke, which I thought sounded really familiar. And in case you have forgotten, the Deke logo flashed at the end of the cartoon shows that they were connected with, such as Rainbow Bright, of course, but there's also Dennis the Menace, Inspector Gadget, The Get-Along Gang, Heathcliff and the Cadillac Cats, Kissifer, Zoobly Zoo, The Chipmunks, Popples, and Hammerman, which we talked about 
in an earlier episode. Some of those logo flashes included maybe this, I don't know about you, but I have kind of a a photographic slash video memory, and I distinctly remember this. Um, so some of those logo flashes included several blue lines in a in box shapes surrounding the green DIC letters. There was a shot of the boy sleeping with the dog at the end of the bed, and it zooms out of the window to the Silver Deke logo. And then there's also one that involves Inspector Gadget roller skating past the logo. The cartoon series had a very memorable theme song and lyrics. Here are a few of the lines. Rainbow bright, see the shining light. Yes, I'm going to take you to rainbow bright, starlight flies right before your eyes and rainbow colors will cheer you up. You're darn right they will. In 1984, Hallmark partnered with Mattel to develop a line of rainbow bright toys. This partnership would prove to be incredibly successful, albeit for a short period of time. It first started with dolls in various sizes, followed by plastic horses, similar to ones from the Barbie collection, so kids could, you know, course play with Starlight. That cocky, cocky horse. Other Rainbow Bright merchandise, not necessarily produced by Mattel, included a Rainbow Bright bedroom set, which includes curtains, pillow shams, star-shaped throw pillows, a rainbow border, lamp, and even a star mobile. You could also get Rainbow Bright coloring books, board games, backpacks, furniture, cross-stitched patterns, nightlights, and even cereal. I'll post a link to the Rainbow Bright cereal commercial in the show notes. In 1985, Rainbow Bright was Mattel's hottest-selling toy in their history, and as a result, there were many bootleg toys sold in North America and Europe. Which, how did people acquire bootleg Rainbow Bright toys in 1985? That just makes me laugh when I'm just thinking about it. Did you meet somebody out in a dark alley and they opened up their detective coat and inside were a bunch of Rainbow Bright dolls and then you had to leave money in a dumpster and then you could pick up the doll? How did that even happen? I, that's a mystery. That's maybe a subject for another show because that's just ridiculous. Uh, this explosion may have happened due to the large budget that Mattel had for marketing and advertising, which was allegedly around $35 million. There were many commercials for the Rainbow Bright doll, including ones that starred Kelly Martin, who you may remember from the TV show Life Goes On, and Tracy Gold, who you may remember from Growing Pains. Rainbow Bright merchandise was also popular in other countries and areas of the world, including Germany, Italy, Spain, Canada, and France. Fun fact, in Japan, Rainbow Bright was called Magical Girl Rainbow Bright. One piece of Rainbow Bright merchandise that my sister and I used all the time was a Rainbow Bright record, which was also available on cassette, released by Disney's Buena Vista Records entitled Paint a Rainbow in Your Heart. We played this record over and over and over again. I found this record in near mint condition in a resale shop a few years ago, and it's a very good thing I was one of the only people in the store when I discovered it because I was way too enamored to have found this treasured relic of me and my sister's childhood. The record includes classic songs such as Color Symphony, Prismatism, Starlight, Rainbow Bright, The Pits, and my personal favorite, the first part of Friendship is Friends, which includes the memorable lyrics. And bonus points if this sounds familiar to you, and I did not need to look up these lyrics. I know them by heart. Clippity clappity, Cali Kalu. The best part of friendship is you. Patty, you're my friend. 
I'll stick with you through thick and thin. We'll explore where no one's been before. And when we're through, I'll gladly share my lunch with you, unless there is a virus outbreak, because I am your friend. Where would I be without you as my friend? And what can I do without you? How true. Together forever, the road never ends. The first part of friendship is friends. You're darn right it is. In 1985, a feature-length Rainbow Bright movie was released called Rainbow Bright and the Star Stealer. In this film, Rainbow Bright works to try and bring spring to a planet that is experiencing a never-ending winter. She must stop a wicked princess in order to make this happen. Some new characters are introduced in this film, including Onyx, who is a robotic horse that has rocket legs, Stormy, another girl with magical powers, and Skydancer, Stormy's horse. Chris, a boy from the planet that is stuck in a cycle of winter, and the Dark Princess. It took about three months for the film to be made, and up until that time, it held the title of being the fastest made animation film. The film was critiqued for essentially being an 85-minute toy advertisement for Rainbow Bright. It earned just shy of $5 million and was later released on VHS and, drumroll please, Betamax, and later DVD. The film ran over and over again on the Disney Channel, which is, I think, how me and my sister watched it, because I definitely recall watching that multiple times. By the end of the 1980s, Rainbow Bright's popularity started to wind down, but for those of us who grew up watching the show and playing with Rainbow Bright-inspired merchandise, the memories of this unique character never really faded away. Decades after the cartoon went off the air and the merchandise stopped flying off the shelves, Rainbow Bright has some true staying power. There are super fans all over the world that collect Rainbow Bright memorabilia and post cartoon episodes online. One super fan is named Katie Hale, who started a Rainbow Bright website, rainbowbright.net, if that tells you anything, was started in 1997. She's hosted a podcast all about Rainbow Bright, and she has a museum chock full of all kinds of Rainbow Bright merchandise. You can actually watch a tour of it. It's 45 minutes long. I'll post a link to this tour in the show notes as well as a link to her website. This is really one-stop shopping for everything Rainbow Bright. There have been several reboots of Rainbow Bright, first in 1996, then 2003, 2009, and also 2015. Most years included new episodes of the show, merchandise, and in 2018, a comic book was released. There is still a demand for Rainbow Bright-inspired accessories. If you visit Etsy, you can find shirts with her picture on it that say Made in the 80s or COVID-19-approved face masks, pop sockets, and there are tons of Rainbow Bright items up for the bidding on eBay, including a stuffed lurky doll that I'm pretty sure one of my cousins had as a kid. I hope you have enjoyed this look back at Rainbow Bright, a memorable cartoon and doll that was present in households all over the world in the mid-1980s. Although her popularity was relatively short-lived, we have never seen anything quite like it in the decades that have followed. I don't think there's been any other cartoon where the heroes get out of their situation by one of them getting kicked in the butt out of a hole. Just saying. What started off as a brainchild of a few creative folks at Hallmark evolved into a merchandise sensation. 
If you are enjoying the Pop Culture Retrospective podcast, please consider subscribing on whichever podcast platform you use. Please also consider rating the show on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. It helps the show out quite a lot. Thank you so very much for tuning in and for your support. Please tell your friends and family about this show. Please feel free to contact me. My email address is popcultureretrospective at gmail.com, or you can tweet me. I'm at popcultureretro. I hope you will join me for my next show, where we will be discussing the life and adventures of Mr. Michael Bolton. Until then, be kind, be safe, and hold on to your memories.